Hey everybody, it's Dr. Anissa Shomo, Cincinnati's favorite family medicine physician, and I'm here again for Wellness Wednesday for our Healthless Love podcast, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Anissa. I'm happy to be here. Yes, yes. So tell everybody you know, more about yourself. What is it that you do? Um, and what are you, are you promoting anything and just about your home life too? Yeah. Yeah. So I am a board certified physician, certified in family medicine and obesity medicine. Uh, for your Cincinnati listeners, I'm also a graduate of the University of Cincinnati Christ Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Where Dr. Anissa and I trained together. Uh, but now I'm based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I am the owner of Essence of Health Wellness Clinic and Coaching, which is a concierge medical practice as well as uh, physician health coaching. Um, so I'm also certified in plant-based nutrition. And what I do is I combine a model uh, where I teach patients about healthy uh, nutrition with a plant-predominant lifestyle. Uh, active movement and mindfulness um, to achieve their health goals and prevent and reverse chronic disease. Um, beyond that, um, a wife, mom of three, uh, three little rambunctious people, uh, <laughs> as well as a triathlete. Um, so yeah, that's me. Happy to be here. Yes. So I mean, that's what's great about um, how we met because we met in our residency and our residency attracts a certain type of person, right? <laughs> so we yeah, have a lot of very sure. similar interests. We both run, you know, we both run races. We both are into a lot of different um, nutrition modalities. I'm always talking to people about meditation, mindfulness. Um, I tell people about acupuncture. Last, you know, last podcast, we talked to Dr. Manny about hypnosis. So so definitely um, a lot of family doctors out there who, you know, for me, I'm just like always trying to um, just learn about, I just feel like there's so many ways to approach the body. Um, and I think that family medicine doctors, because we're comprehensive in that way, we are just mm -hmm. like, okay, we're comprehensive with all the different ways to approach the body. Right. So now, yeah. That, yeah. That's, you know, so true about, you know, the way that we we do things, even with me, you know, part of the reason I'm me opening my own practice is just to even sit to talk to my patients more. Cause I found that, you know, one of the other things we find being family doctors is, is talking about that full spectrum and, and how the, right. the job or the family dynamic, you know, maybe playing a part in health. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what's interesting, you know, because they call it, trauma-informed care we do as family doctors because we understand that the mind that mind and body connection um because we you know we have we get a little more training in it and i feel like most other specialties and we you know preach it a lot more and i feel like a lot of other specialties so it's um it's really you know i really enjoyed that that's why i went into family medicine because i, I saw a lot of the attendings in my medical school who um were who were similar to how we are now you know yeah. <laughs> like I want those kind of role models, you know? Um, so right. I love being a family doctor and being able to bring that to the people, you know? Yeah, same, yeah. So I'm gonna talk a little bit before we get into, so the topic today, we're gonna talk about, you know, this uh, idea of eat well. Um, and before we talk about that, 
I want to, um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, having role models in medical school that um, made family medicine continue to be interesting to me, but I actually got interested in family medicine um, as a teenager. So um, I wanted to be a doctor since I was young, but you, you know, when you're young, you don't really know a lot about anything, you know, I'm not sure about the body and health and that sort of thing, you know, it just sounds nice. Um, but honestly, my father was diagnosed with diabetes when I was probably about 12, something like that. And so I learned a lot more about like how nutrition and sugar and that sort of thing affects the bodies because this was like the 90s and nobody was talking about sugar. Everybody had their, their sweet, and low, sweet and low packet and that was about the extent. <laughs> exactly so yeah. I started learning more about like sugar and carbs and all this sort of thing as a teenager and my my father had a family doctor um who actually just recently retired so he had been taking care of my father since he was probably like in his 20s so he took my, my dad met him as an intern when he was in residency um so he took care of my father for his whole career um and you know just being able to see that that could be a job for a doctor to like kind of be a, like somewhat of a health coach and health mentor to be like hey you know because the way the biggest way that my father got diabetes number one he has a really strong family history of it like his, both his sisters and his mom had um diabetes but the biggest thing a lot of people don't realize is like a lot of that is from your health culture you know that you learn from um from your family but one of the biggest things that he learned from his family was um, just drinking a lot of soda. So he was drinking like two liters a day to try to stay awake. Um, because my parents, mm-hmm. owned, my dad worked at the hospital, um, on a cleaning team. He was a supervisor for the environmental services. So he would work, I think three to 11 doing that. And then my parents also had a business that my mom mostly ran while he was at work. Um, and so like he would get off work and then he would, um, you know, either they would go home, he would be delivering cakes and all this sort of thing. So he was trying to stay awake for yeah. ever, you know, not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so then he was, I don't know how many two liters a day, but he was drinking more than one, two liter a day of Pepsi, which is mm. so much sugar. And right. then his, doctor, yeah. his family doctor was like, you got to stop. You got to stop doing that. You know, <laughs> so like, just the idea of, of, you know, going to your doctor and then being like, yeah, you should stop drinking all that soda. And I was like, that's a job? What? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I could I could have told him that at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it really interested me to like learn more about, you know, how food and, and drinks and everything interact with our body and how to like, you know, coach health, you know, coach the health of our patients. Um to to learn a lot of stuff because a lot of people don't know. A lot of people still don't know how right. much sugar is in soda. Yeah, yeah. And even beyond just the, you know, you mentioned the sodas that he was drinking, but even just his uh, work and the fact that he wasn't getting adequate sleep, you know, what we know now about lack of sleep that also raises cortisol levels and makes you more insulin resistant. And it also contributes um, to diabetes, too. So, you know, poor guy, he had a lot working against him there. Right. Well, more than anything, it was just because I'm one of nine. My parents, there's like nine trying to like figure out a feed of they have their hands that's stressful <laughs> it's very yeah. stressful so I you know that's the biggest thing with a lot of our patients they just be trying to survive and make it and so we right. just try you know to give them little tips and tricks little by little to to work on that you know so um so tell me I don't know if you want me to go first or I can go first so 
when you give tips and tricks to your patients about trying to work on, you know, their eating habits, um, what are your top three things that you, um, that you, or just your top, your top yeah. list that you tell people to work yeah. on better? Yeah, I can go first. So yeah, for sure. I always tell people to put more plants on their plate. Um, so, you know, and that can look a number of ways, you know, you don't have to go straight up vegan. Um, although the more plants you eat, the, the better off you will be. Uh, but definitely put more plants on your plate. So that can, you know, look like having uh, spinach in your morning smoothie, having some, you know, roasted kale for lunch or dinner. Um a number of ways, the darker the leaves, the, the more health benefits that you'll get from it. So, you know, definitely that tip. Uh, other thing in terms of nutrition is to uh, make sure that you do eat, but make sure that you're eating foods that won't uh, spike your blood sugars and that won't put you kind of on this uh, roller coaster of energy, if you will. Um, like you said, you know, you mentioned your dad was drinking sodas just to stay awake and stay alert. Versus if a person eats something like fruit or a handful of nuts or, you know, something with beans, those things that are going to keep your blood sugar more stable uh, throughout the day, then you won't need, you know, you won't expose yourself to these these spikes of, of energy and these spikes and bursts, which will in turn lead to insulin resistance. Um, and then the other part is don't drink your calories. Uh, you know, use those calories for, for food, things that are going to fill you up. Uh, typically, if we're drinking calories, we're we're not going to get fulfilled um, by that. So, you know, choosing water or some type of unsweetened beverage, if you need some flavor in it, I always tell people to grab some frozen fruit, throw a few little frozen strawberries or blueberries in it, gives it a little flavor. Also, you can eat the fruit after, it'll keep your drink cold too. Uh, so a number of practical uses there. So those would be my top three. Okay, awesome. So those are a great top three. I think that, I think for my patients, it just depends on like what the issue is. Like, is it that they eat, um, like do they eat a lot of pasta? So then you might be like, well, maybe try like zucchini noodles if they're interested in, in trying something like that, or even just like whole grain noodles to have more fiber so they eat less. Um, and then the other big thing is like snacking. A lot of people snack, you know, they eat a lot of chips. They eat a lot of just all types of um snacks uh so i tell them to you know try popcorns i love snacking on popcorn it has a lot of fiber it doesn't have as, as much um i make it at home so i don't you know i can put it yeah. like just a just a sprinkle of salt and not all the salt that they put in the um you know the processed foods um so i talked to them about like you know trying to work on decreasing processed foods and trying to increase fiber um and then the last thing i would say is i talk to people a lot about the mediterranean diet so that's the mm -hmm. one the big thing that i do i'm not I'm not vegan or vegetarian, but I definitely try to, I try to eat mostly vegetarian. Um, Cause I, I think I did like a meatless. I think, and the biggest thing is like, I tell people like baby steps. Cause that's the biggest thing. Right. In America, yeah. is that people, it's like all or nothing. You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. And, the, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Which is why I mentioned, right. you know, for people to just put more plants on your plate. It doesn't have to be that you have to be, you know, full hugging the tree vegan. Um, <laughs> you know, just eat some vegetables. <laughs> Right. And it's like baby steps. It's like, you know, you start with, you know, trying to have a piece of fruit for breakfast um, instead of, you know, uh, I used to do those cereal bars a lot. I don't know why, but at some point I was doing a lot of cereal bars. And so now I stopped doing that and I just yeah. eat a piece of fruit um, for <laughs> breakfast. And then, you know, so it's just like little by little. And I tell people like to um, just try to make like they say that it takes like two weeks to build a habit. 
So I just tell them to like maybe focus on one thing a month, like make one change a month um, and then add it up because that's what's helped me. Like I started working on my house when I was a teenager, like my parents had a bakery. So it was like, all right. So first I stopped drinking uh, sugary beverages. And then next I was like, all right, well, I can't be eating cake every day because that's not good for you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I tell people like, you got to have conversations with yourself. Like, I know right. uh-huh. I like, at 16 years old, I knew I shouldn't be eating cake every day or I used right. to eat a lot of fries. I used to eat all types of crap as a teenager. So just little by little by little, I was just having a little conversation with myself. Like, all right, mm-hmm. if you're going to eat fries or potatoes, like I used to have a potato problem as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to be like, all right, just one day. Just one day, just one time a day, you can have potatoes. And so yeah. that, you know, one time a day has gone from, you know, it's gone from one time a day to I barely eat potatoes now. Yeah. So it's just Or like, cook the potatoes yourself. You know, if you if you want some fries, chop them up, put them in your oven and roast them. You know, they're going to be much healthier than going to McDonald's or, you know, whatever fast food place and, and getting the deep fried version. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, because I, I barely, so that's the thing, like I barely eat fried food now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started, I did a meatless Monday at some point and I barely eat, I like, I eat meat generally more on the weekends. I don't eat it really during the week. Like how a lot of people do meatless Monday. Yeah. I do like meat weekends, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also because yeah. my husband will cook and he's a really good cook. So I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not going to eat that. You know? so, <laughs> Cause that's another big thing you tell people is like, try to do it as a family because it's hard to. Right. Yeah, when you have support, um, you know, you typically, it makes it much easier to achieve goals. Even, you know, you and I both have even been in running groups, for instance. And, you know, just having that support of other people um, kind of with the same mindset and with the same common goal, um, that helps you to to go much further and for it to feel less like a chore, um, you know, when when you've got that that community support, um, whatever that may look like for you. Um, but even, you know, with the folks who are snackers, um, one of the things I like to mention is to have people focus on the mindfulness aspect of it. Like you, you know, you talked about you thinking about uh, the potatoes you were eating, but even think about when you're, you know, eating a snack, I usually tell folks to think about why you're even eating that snack at that point. Are you really hungry or are you eating it for some other reason? You know, because you're maybe feeling anxious, stressed out, bored even, you know, so just, you know, even giving it some thought beforehand, because there may be something else that you can do to fulfill the reason why you're feeling that you need that snack without even having the snack. All right. Yeah, that's what's interesting, too, because we kind of grow up in this, you know, like prescribed times of eating and people often don't really think about whether they're really hungry. And then the other piece is distracted eating. So mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of inspired this business is uh, I was going through a really hard time, like a really traumatic time. Um, and I did a mind and body course with our department, <laughs> so with the Department of you know Integrative Medicine. Um, so I did a um, so it was, you know, they, they taught us a bunch of different meditations. But my favorite meditation was actually the food meditation. Um, and it really just, all it was was just eat your food in silence and put your phone down, turn off all the screens, you know, because especially as physicians, like often you just get in that habit of eating while you're right. looking at your screen and that sort of thing. Yeah. So now yeah. you're charting and eating or reading a chart, you know, <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I think when we were having, when we were talking, when we were learning about it, they were saying that a lot, a lot of times your body cannot process it in that way. So a lot of times people are doing a lot of distracted eating 
And so it's like, you'll eat some food, but your body didn't even process it because you're doing distracted eating. So you might eat again, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you you can eat, easily eat more than what you likely would have if you were more focused on it. Cause that, you know, that signal to your brain, you've pretty much crowded it out um, by, you know, looking at your screen or doing whatever else. Uh, so your brain's not getting that signal as, as quickly as it should to say, Hey, I'm full. I, I ate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and you know, the other big piece too is like, there's another, there's a book um, that I love. It's about aging. So I'm a geriatrician. So um, it's uh, the blue zones, nine lessons for living long, longer. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And so my husband said that this is his bigger problem is that he just eats so fast and then he goes for seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that book, they say that just don't eat till you're full, eat till you're not hungry. Right. Um, so a lot of people, I don't know. He said that like, basically he just, he grew up in the South. I didn't grow up in the South <laughs> and I, and I grew up with, I'm one of nine. So it wasn't like there was ever seconds, you know? <laughs> right. I was going to say, yeah, with that many, it's probably like feast or famine. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. So I just didn't develop that kind of relationship with food. I feel like some of my siblings have because it's like, well, because we didn't have it in our childhood and now I can, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just, yeah just tried my best I, I know I don't think it, I think it was just because like I said I was trying not to get diabetes right um, I feel like yeah. most of the things that I would want seconds of would be like carbs and I was gotcha. trying not to get carbs yeah. but I can understand that I mean I'm from the south from Atlanta originally uh, so I can definitely understand that too to have uh, you know the family functions and people always uh, you know my grandmother uh she um was a cafeteria manager for years and so because of that, all she really knew how to cook were, were these large meals. Um, you know, she had five kids, so she was always accustomed to cooking very large meals. And so even holidays and stuff, she would cook so much food to people who just come off the street knowing that, you know, Miss Ozella, we know she got some extra because she's always cooking for like an army. And so you were always, you know, encouraged, just eat, 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 because that's what she was going to cook. So yeah, I definitely could, can yeah. understand having to then rethink that, you know, as I've gotten older to know that, yeah, we don't, we don't need to feed an army that have a, that much food and and, you know, as much as I hate food waste, I'm also one of those people that will, after a birthday, after we celebrated, everybody's had their piece of cake, I will throw the rest away just so that we aren't tempted just to continue to to eat it just because it's here. So. Yeah. No, yeah. that's also a good tip is just knowing that it's better in the trash than, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Either way, it's going to get consumed, you know, yeah. just trying to be conscious of. Yeah, it's just a lot of unthinking that. So it's just just a little bit different. Like he just has a completely different perspective and struggle. And a lot of people do. Like it just depends on how people are raised. But for me, just because I was raised in such a big family, uh, and because I was afraid of diabetes, I just never really developed that relationship with food. And so I talk mm-hmm. to my patients a lot about their relationship with food. Like, what is your relationship with food? Right. Is it comforting? Is it mm-hmm. you know, um, because you know how we talk in always in our running groups about trying to eat to eat to live not live to eat yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 and it's something else I like to say it, to have people rethink food as as fuel um you know the the way we think about it as runners too when we're, we're fueling you know if you're doing your marathon you're making sure you're getting enough calories to fuel you through those next couple of miles um and also not to upset your stomach or to give you issues you know while you're running so if we also think of fueling our bodies 
through our day too, that also helps to make more conscious health decisions as to, you know, is this Snickers bar kind of, you know, just give me some fuel and sustain me? Or is it, you know, kind of do something where I may feel a crash later and feel a little sluggish? So, you know, more so rethinking that food is fuel. Right. Yeah. So I tend like at work, I eat a lot of snacks because I do like snacks. But, <laughs> but I tend to snack a lot on nuts. And I like, I always say, say like part of the reason why I feel like I'm a geriatrician because I've always been an old lady my whole life. So I'll be like the snacking. pocket peppermints. <laughs> yeah, it's like I snack on uh, prunes. I eat prunes. Uh-huh. I eat cashews. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll do apricots. I switch it up. So sometimes mm-hmm. I do apricots. Sometimes I do prunes, which have a fair amount of sugar in them, but they are better than candy and right. our patch kids, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you try to just find different ways to replace whatever. I'll, I have like a sour palate. Mm. So I try to find different things to replace like, because I love Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I'll even just eat uh, like a uh, little oranges because oranges have a lot of sugar. But the, you know, the fiber in them. Or pickles. Have you tried pickles? For Does that I love, give you your sour fix? Do you like a pickle? Yeah, I do love pickles, especially during marathon training. I need to get some. Yeah. But I, do love, I, I have like my whole life, I've always loved pickles. So. So it's just an interesting thing is you kind of try to figure out what your what what is your palate, yeah. um, and then try to figure out like what kind of replacements you can make. So, yeah, yeah. So I want to transition and talk more about like you know, for me, being a physician and trying to make sure I eat you know healthy uh, meals, eat you know. And, I, and you know, people talk about the word healthy and what that kind of means, and there's a lot of things. I say that. Honestly, when you think about the word healthy, it literally has the words in it, heal thy. Mm, heal thy. Mm-hmm. And so like you think about the kind of foods that can heal you. So we know that like vegetables have antioxidants um, and, you know, food have antioxidants and, you know, salmon and all those sort of things. So for me, a healthy mm-hmm. meal is composed of things that are healing thy, healing myself. Right. Um, and so it can be hard because a lot of times people just for me, I grew up eating fast food. My parents had a business. We ate a lot of fast food. That's why I was never really a lot of leftovers because you didn't really buy extra. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's a lot of sodium. There's all types of stuff. So I kind of had to break out of that habit as well. Um, but I actually function in a similar way where I like to uh, subscribe to meal prep. So mm-hmm. I have uh, a chef here who currently is doing a different job, uh, but Chef um, Katrina Mills. So she would, uh, you know, meal prep. Uh, about 10 meals for me and drop them off to my house and then I would just grab them like fast food like DoorDash yeah. you know Ooh. right yeah that's a, that's a good way to do it though because you're able to get healthier meals though you know you didn't cook it but somebody did and you know you know it wasn't in a deep fryer so it was you know still going to be a, a healthier alternative um, and get that convenience for you right yeah. So now, since she's currently working a different job, I've been doing uh, the Shipped app where I have salad supplies delivered. And then I just, on Sunday night or Monday night, I'll just make a bunch of salads and then just grab those. Because I work, my days that I work, uh, long days are Tuesday and Thursday. So I'll try to just make a bunch of salads Tuesday before that. And then I'll just grab them out and then, you know, eat them at work. So I want to know how does that work for you with, uh, you know, because for me, I don't feed my husband. He feed himself because he just he grew up cooking. He cooking. Uh, uh, you know? well, we're married to similar husbands, man. Because I don't feed mine either. I mean, he always jokes and tells people, it's "Like, yeah, my wife. The first thing she told me is I am not domestic, so don't expect that." <laughs> so 
yeah, he's not looking for me to cook. Uh, I will, you know, even stuff that I will cook, I'm all about convenience. So I love my Instapot. I love my Crock-Pot. I love the oven. Stuff that I can, like, put it in there. I don't have to stand over the stove. I put it in there, set the timer, and I come back, you know, 20 minutes later, and voila, there's a meal. Um, So that's the kind of stuff I like to do when I do cook. Um, But any other time, I will typically uh, get a large thing, one of those large tubs of spring mix salad at the beginning of the week. And I'll get a large tub of spinach and I'll mix and match stuff through the week. Those are definitely my staples. I'll typically make a batch of brown rice. um, And those will definitely be the staples. And then I'll add different, you know, things depending on what I have a taste for uh, throughout the week to create a a bowl or a dish from that. Um, But yeah, I I honestly keep it pretty simple um, because like you said, we're we're working. The weeks are, are busy. You know, I, I may do a bit more on the weekend and, you know, whip up a tofu scramble or some pancakes or, uh, you know, something more exciting. But during the week, it, it's, it's pretty pedestrian of, you know, some kind of green or grain and, you know, yeah, and sometimes simple. the beans. Yeah. 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 So what about your kids? How do you get your kids to eat all of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so they, I would say they eat healthy for kids. They are still kids and they are still, you know, especially my littlest one, he's six and he's still, he will be the first one to tell you, I don't eat vegetables. That That is like his line. Uh, and he does eat vegetables. He just doesn't know he eats vegetables. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, he he likes noodles, and so one of the the things that I buy is I buy the bean based noodles. Yeah. Um. So like Vonza brand or um, which are chickpea uh, noodles, or we'll get like the lentil noodles. So he'll you know eat those. Um. Or he'll uh do a smoothie. So we'll fix him like some uh meatless chicken nuggets, and then we'll give him a, a smoothie. And I'm the type of person that will throw all the things in the smoothie and. Put some straw, as long as there's some strawberries in it, he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, so, you know, those kind of things. Right, right. right. And they just get used to it, too. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is if you raise, if you, like, because I was raised really eating a lot of vegetables. So we we ate a lot of fast food, but I would say we, we, we eat Chinese food, which had broccoli. So I always love broccoli. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we eat a lot of Asian food too in, yeah. in my house. Yeah. And my older two, they they love it. Yeah. We we will easily um order yeah, Asian food or fix some at the house, even order it um at least once a week, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Cause that's what kind of exposed me out to a lot of vegetables as a young person. Um, you know, also because we see we ate we ate everything. We ate Taco Bell, we ate, you know, we ate McDonald's, we ate all of it, but just a variety of different things. Of course, we, you know. Uh, we so it's that's you know so you just try to figure out so I'm glad my husband right. he was raised by an army family which really just taught him to be self-sufficient um so are you teaching your boys how to be self-sufficient are you teaching them how to cook is your husband teaching them how to cook uh, yeah they they do they know how to cook they know how to wash their clothes and self-sufficiency is, is definitely a thing in this house um <laughs> I mean, that's how it was for me. I grew up in a big family. So I started doing my own laundry at a young age. So it's just kind of interesting to me, like, you know, the conversations people have, they'd be like, should men cook? And I'd be like, what? My dad, my dad cooked too. Like, my dad cooked. Mine did too. And and maybe that's why we're different. Yeah, because my dad did too. My dad did the majority of the cooking. Uh, My mom, she's definitely not much of a cook. So that could be, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, and that's, uh, I, I say I just grew up seeing an example of teamwork and I think that you know especially as black people our culture has just been all over the place and I feel like a lot of people just weren't raised 
what CNIT works, so then they just kind of yeah. create these arbitrary rules, and you're like, right. that's not, like, because people will say, like, knowing how to cook is a survival skill, it knowing is. how to clean up and after yourself is a survival skill, so they kind of put, like, genders on survival skills. <laughs> right, no, nope, these boys here, they they wash dishes and take out the trash, so, you know, they got to do both sides. Yeah. All right, so let's transition and talk a little bit about diet culture because we gave a bunch of tips about all types of stuff. We didn't say anything about diets, um, right. and that's what I try to like emphasize with my patients is like I want you to do the things that are sustainable, and I yeah. necessarily work on. Um, even though my husband like will will do like, I will say I'll tell people like if they are interested in dieting, it should be something that they can learn from. Um, because mm-hmm. sometimes people will say like they may do the whole 30 or they may do keto or they may do different things and they may learn something for it. So I say, you know, go into it more with that kind of a mentality of what can I learn from, you know, these kind of changes versus like being obsessed with the weight loss and all that sort of thing. So what kind of things do you tell people about diet? Yeah. So within, you know, with me now um, doing health coaching as a physician health coach, one of the things that I mentioned is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that I, I'm definitely not a fan of, of fat dieting, especially. Um, so whatever the trendy thing out for now, uh, yeah, I, I say avoid those because like you said, it, it's not sustainable. Uh, a lot of times people will, they'll achieve, you know, some quick weight loss, but then the minute they go back, to eating those old ways that they used to eat, they're going to gain that plus more. Um, and then with that quick weight loss, what, you know, may happen on the other side of that, you know, for instance, with keto, uh, what some studies have shown is that uh, people who sometimes will do keto, they'll go kind of overboard, if you will, with all of the animal products and eating a lot of the meat and the dairy. And so in turn, end up developing cardiovascular disease from, you know, having higher cholesterol levels. And um, from that, and they haven't eaten any fiber or, you know, right. because they were avoiding all of the carbs. Um, so, yeah, you know, people do have to be careful um, with these with these diet trends. Um, and one of the questions, uh, you know, we're always asked as physicians, well, what's the best diet out there? Um, and even, you know, in my obesity medicine fellowship training, there is no best diet, really. It's, it's really what's going to sustain you. What can you stick to that's going to um, sustain and maintain your health? So with that in mind, you know, it kind of goes back to that food as fuel, thinking of those things that are going to make you feel good, not make you feel sluggish, that are going to energize you, and that also won't contribute to disease for you. Um, And that's going to be what's going to be good for you. Right. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband has done a keto. He's definitely made sure that he focuses on like, like a lot of plants because, because he is a physician too. So, right. Yeah. It's just so uh, he knows more than, than the right. Than the average yeah, so <laughs> it's just you know, it's just an interesting thing because people are all people always ask us, you know, about about diets, and it's even for me, like I said, the Mediterranean diet has been shown to have you know really good health benefits. But it's kind of funny; it's called a diet. So like right. when I post about it on my Instagram, I'll say like eating the Mediterranean way because that's what right, yeah, Mediterranean way, like what people exactly, like, yeah, it's like your way of eating or your your life style of you know of eating and not so much a, a diet because right yeah you know we, we really shouldn't be thinking about and even on the weight side of things is it you shouldn't be eating to lose um you know a certain amount of weight or to be a certain size because that can also lead to some other things and both you and I know and I'm sure you've had patients just like I have 
where they, you know, look normal weight or skinny, you know, what society measures as skinny, and they have health conditions. They still are, you know, have diabetes or pre-diabetes and high cholesterol um, because they still eat terribly, um, you know, or they don't exercise or a number of, of other factors that may go into that. So it's not about, you know, everybody being a, a size, whatever. It's, you know, it's about being healthy. Yeah, and that's what's, that's what's interesting about America. America is very superficial very superficial and they're always trying to sell you products and they're always trying yeah. to sell, you know, so that's what's, well, that's what we kind of have to combat all the time. I'm trying to get people to be more realistic, mm-hmm. but people are always trying to sell you something. So it's just hard to get people to be realistic about like their health goals. It's like, I know because people, you know, a lot of times people try to equate health with weight. And mm-hmm. I've shared recently on my, um, on my Facebook and my Instagram that I've actually gained like 25 pounds. Um, and I think I talked about it um, on my last podcast too. I, um, I used to, when I was in residency, I had IUD. And when I was on IUD, I didn't sleep well. And um, and I'm sure like, you know, your cortisol levels, whatever, they're doing whatever, but people people deal with those cortisol levels differently. So for me, it made my weight lower than probably it should have been because I was like one of the thinnest people in my family. Um, and so when I came off of it, I gained like 25 pounds and people were like, what happened? Yeah. Did you stop running? Did you, you right. even yeah. like, first of all, my business. Exactly. Right. Uh-huh. There's just so much, there's so much that goes into what people's weight is. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard because like I went to an OPCD um, uh, lecture recently and she talked about this idea of fat bias. She was talking about mm-hmm. like how a lot of people are in America, especially are obsessed with their weight because mm-hmm. it's hard to have a larger body. You know, yeah. like for me, when, when I gained that 25 pounds, it's hard to find clothes. Yeah. And so I, you know, I have a little And bit people of- constantly, you know, talking at you to make you feel bad, which I mean, you look great. So, <laughs> you know, but people still talking negative, you know, putting negative talk in, into your, your, even your mind frame, which, you know, can in turn make you feel bad about yourself. Right. And that's one of the biggest things I say is like, you know, I feel much better. Like, you know, people, I'm like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like that. It's just an interesting thing in America, like I said. Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. it's every it's a lot of places. Well, I find it most most interesting that you were your lightest in residency. I was my heaviest in residency oh. just from stress. Oh my goodness. No, probably to my husband too. He was, but yeah, but for me, like I was, you know, but part of it was because I didn't sleep and I would just work, I was like a workout holic, like like workout anorexia, probably, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I was just work out like I mean, I still work out a lot, but not in the same way. Like I used to just yeah. get up like four in the morning because I wasn't sleeping then I would go and do kickboxing for an hour and I wasn't even running back then yet you know Mm -hmm. so even when I was running like my weight was still about the same so and I was actually starting to gain weight when I started running so Mm -hmm. um it's just an interesting thing how weight and and people told me that people told me like once you hit 30 because I remember when I was like when I was running when I was like you know probably like 29 30 running they'd be like I would be I would be able to eat whatever I wanted and I wouldn't gain any weight and it's like oh yeah just wait till the hormones catch up with you <laughs> yeah yeah I'm gonna get an older but it was a lot of it of coming off of artificial hormones too because I had been on depo when I was young um and I like looking back on it it probably that probably kept my weight pretty low too so everybody you know how some people when they're pregnant they gain weight because that's what mm-hmm. they're progesterone you know yeah some people when they're pregnant they gain a lot of weight some people when they're pregnant they lose weight you know so for me it affected me in that way of 
my weight was lower than it, than it really should have been. That you know, it probably naturally would have been. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and you know, um, the other part that I've I that even made me pursue, you know, obesity medicine. And I've just been so excited to learn more about uh, the phenomenon of, of weight and obesity and, and, you know, some of the science that has come about now is even realizing a weight set point um, regarding, you know, us as individuals. We're, so, you know, it also speaks to that fact that we're not all meant to be uh, skinny or we're not all, you know, meant to be a certain weight. And once you even lose weight, a lot of times your body then starts to fight against you uh, to get you back to that weight uh, because of weight set point and the way, you know, physiology works. So. Right. And that's why I have to explain to my patients a lot because, you know, people get gastric bypass and now everybody's obsessed with this Ozempic. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I try to counsel them because the surgeons aren't going to counsel. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. That's what's hard when you're dealing with capitalism. Yeah. You go see yeah. a surgeon and say, I want to lose weight. Can I have gastric bypass? They're going to say, okay. But if you came and talked to your family doctor about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of people bypass, they gain that way back, you know? Yeah, right. Um, some people don't, but you just wonder how many people develop eating disorders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you, I have worked with clients now um, through health coaching who have had uh, um, bariatric surgery procedures. Uh, and it's because they have, they, you know, had the procedures and then they've gained the weight back. And now, you know, they're back now to where they have these conditions again. Um, and they're needing now more sustainable solutions because, you know, the surgery wasn't a sustainable solution, um, for them. So, yeah. yeah. And some of it has to do with set point, but a lot of it has to do with you didn't really learn anything yep. from that, you know? So. Yeah, which is why it's important to learn so that you can, you know, from that set point, you know, standpoint, yeah, even if you gain five pounds or whatever back, you don't develop diabetes or you don't develop, you know, heart disease in, in the as a result um, of that. Yeah, because right. that's what tends to happen because people don't, you know, pick up those those healthy lifestyle changes. They just lose the good amount of weight, but then they didn't really, like you said, they didn't learn anything really um, yeah. about the lifestyle change of it. So, yeah. And they're back. Because they often, those. when people are going to do uh, gastric bypass, they have them eat like a liquid diet for like mm-hmm. months and then after yeah. those months. And then some people will lose weight because of liquid diet, which I'm sure maybe set you know changing the set point for a while but the studies have shown that people usually gain that way back over like five to ten years um yeah. and it's yeah kind of interesting now with the uh like the the uh, the new medicines the Olympic mm-hmm. and Manjaro and Trulicity and all of that you know uh so in this particular lecture they were talking about that and it was talking about how those studies really only go out like two years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because they, they are new drugs. Yeah. So we, we don't know long term exactly. what it will look like. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'll try to counsel my patients on that because everybody's trying to get them. But I'm like, those might, a lot of people have no idea. They're like a thousand dollars a month yeah. um, and they have a lot of side effects and that sort of thing. And yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm, they can't. But, you know, on the other side of things, just you know, and this is where, my, you know, my obesity medicine training comes into play. It's it's a need for them, yeah. for the, the folks who truly have tried all the things, yeah. you know, and it, it just has not happened for them. And it's been right. helpful for them to uh, get some results as well, not just in weight, but also 
uh, those health benefits side of things, you know, to, to get them out of that diabetes uh, no, yeah. range and all the complications that can come with that. Um, for so. them, for sure. For them, for sure. I definitely use it. It's more the people who don't yeah. have it. Like, oh, you know? right, right. Yeah. You know, the vanity. I want to wear my size, you know, six again kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even like you get people with their diabetes controlled. And, you know, like sometimes even a dose is still too much. Like I like, you know, I can't, I don't want to talk specifically about patients, but you just, it's just, it's like, so it's, it's a very complex thing because people do get to the point where they're like, you know, they may be having side effects because this is happening multiple times where you have people who have side effects, but they don't want to go down on a dose because they don't want to gain weight. And it's like, you shouldn't be afraid of gaining a little bit of weight back. Like your body's yeah. telling that your weight may be too low for you you're not able to eat like that's not a healthy relationship with food so it's kind of right. like with anything else you have to balance like right for sure yeah yeah everybody's like everybody be on it like everybody's right. like about it like everybody should be on it it's like it's not for everybody right uh-huh yeah yeah and it's you know so why I've, I've moved into what I do too with with more of the health coaching side of it just to to teach people more in depth um, because, you know, I found that a lot of people, they do, they, they have this, this preconceived notion that, you know, oh, if, if only I lost this weight, then my world is going to be brighter kind of thing. Right. But it, it goes so far beyond that. And the whole weight loss side of it is so more complex than uh, calories in, calories out. Um, right. And so, you know, you, you need more of a foundational knowledge and more foundational skills um to really maintain your health right no that's great that you're doing that work um because i like for me i was doing um, nutrition classes in in high school because i'm just like i wish that we that we learned this in school you know yeah <laughs> a lot of people don't know a lot about all types of stuff like this because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's never really been taught to anybody so right like, yeah so like yeah some- i mean you know that's probably a whole nother uh topic for your, your, your podcast, <laughs> but, but right, but if we could, even the basics, if we could, you know, have a, a school curriculum where we taught kids how to read a food label, how to, you know, choose a healthy snack, or, you know, the importance of going to play after school, or, you know, even just the basics could could make a world of difference um, in our next generation. Right. I actually did that, and uh, so the school I worked at had K-12, um, and so the first the first after school grant was for, I think, uh, elementary school. So I worked with like third and fourth graders. And the, there's this program called the Catch Program. There's like a curriculum where you can buy, I think it's like $250. And you can buy, you can teach uh, kids healthy habits after school. So I did that for a couple of years. And then the grant changed uh, to the older. Great. Yeah. And then, it's, and then the grant changed to the older kids. Um, but it was kind of one of those things. A lot of times when I was doing it, people would ask me like, well, how much weight did the kids lose? And I'm just like, that's not it's not about that right <laughs> yeah. did you yeah. measure their weight yeah. and I'm like no like I taught them about nutrition right. and how to and so it's just a, the quickest way to turn them off is to go lining them all up on a scale I mean <laughs> yeah. so that's oh, going to be interesting to see like you know where all this is going as far as um just as we're learning more about obesity and just the interplay with mm-hmm. hormones and environment and stress and sleep and right and all that sort of thing just how it's all connected um so i'm i'm ex- i'm excited for how that will hopefully impact future generations of hopefully mm-hmm. you know having more curriculum in the school about um about nutrition about movement and 
just how to take care of their bodies um, a lot better. Right. Even though we had health class, I feel like in in school, I feel like it was really not helpful. It definitely, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. You know, pyramid. like go walk a walk a lap on the track for thirty minutes or talk right. to your friend. <laughs> Right. And even like the food pyramid, when we were young, the food pyramid said, eat all the carbs. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, we all know now that that, that food pyramid, yeah, it, it's, it's troublesome to say the least. <laughs> Misguided. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say? So tell people more about yeah. where yeah so i can uh be found online at eohcoaching.com i also have a podcast feed time podcast for all things health wellness and plant-based nutrition so you can find it on any of your favorite podcast apps uh apple google spotify all the places uh but yeah then i'm also on facebook instagram youtube at essence of health wellness clinic I am hosting a masterclass event coming up on March 26th. Uh, the topic is what your doctor didn't tell you about reversing the health crisis trifecta. And so it's going to be about uh, teaching folks about how to reverse uh, these chronic conditions that we spoke about. So high blood pressure, uh, prediabetes, diabetes, and high cholesterol. So yeah, you can learn more about that on my website, eohcoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here. We had a Great conversation, got some tips and just, you know, some commentary about different things people need to look out for when they're trying to work on their health because people fall into a lot of traps. So, but just make sure you talk to your family doctors because that's what we do. We talk to our patients about all of these traps. Um, And I don't know, I feel like some doctors are more comfortable with it than others. So that's why there are other specialties too. Like, you know, there's diabetes education and nutritionists. So you may not necessarily want to like get a new doctor if your doctor's not comfortable with it. Just make sure you get a referral and advocate for yourself. Right. Um, and just to make sure that you know all the information. Because like I said, a lot of times people will only tell you part of the story. You know? <laughs> so make sure you ask a lot of questions and learn much as much as you can about it so you can ask you know, more questions. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. And that's a wrap for our Wellness Wednesday. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Wellness Wednesday. Eat well.